out scriptures and I will begin to try to preach this message this morning. Hear the words in your hearing. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Murray Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and other disciples, the one Jesus loved and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb. and We don't know where they've put him. So Peter, the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciples outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over, looked in the strips of the linen lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb and saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the clothes that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciples who had reached the tomb first also went inside, and he saw and believed. Verse 17 is where I'm going to spend most of my energy. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead, my brother, and tell them, I am sending my Father and your Father to my God and your God. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you, we celebrate you for the God that you are. Lord, you are the potter, we are the clay. Mold us, shape us, make us, break us to what you need us to be. Holy Spirit, we give you full authority. Minister to our minds, speak with our tongue, love with our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated in his presence. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. For the time this hours this morning, I just want to preach the way maker makes the way out. The way maker made a way out. Bob, I have discovered that it is easy to get into something, but it's a much harder to find your way out of something. You are only one decision away from getting into something, but you can spend your whole life trying to get out of it. Lord, I am, you're, you are one house purchase away from getting in debt, but 30 years away <laughs> of getting out of debt. You're one year away from being in a pandemic but many years away from being out of a pandemic. You're one bad health report away from being sick and suffering, but years away from healing and recovery. You're one traumatic event away from being mentally unstable and years of therapy away from mental wholeness and healing. I'm trying to help us to understand that it's easy to find your way in something, but oftentimes it's harder to get out of something. 
What amazes me is that you can find your way in trouble all by yourself. But oftentimes you need someone to help you find the way out of trouble. I'm not making this up. Let me prove it to you because in Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve was given a million trees in the gardens and you can eat any tree you want to. But please don't eat from the one tree. But they made a decision to eat from the one tree they weren't supposed to eat from. And that decision have impacted their lives for a long time. Listen, from Genesis chapter 3 to the end of Revelation is 4,228 years. And even today, it's 2,000 years later. What am I saying? 6,000 years one decision has impacted lifetimes. Today, in 2021, we're still dealing with the repercussions of Adam's decision, which says one and one decision, it can change our lives. If only it took one bad decision to get into trouble, but it takes a lifetime to get out of trouble. My point is, is this, it's easy to get into something, but it's much harder to get out. But this is the good news, that regardless of Adam's and Eve's decision or even our bad decision, there is a way out. John records and says to his audience that I am the way out and Jesus is the I am. If you're hungry this morning, he says, I am the bread of life. If you're dark place this morning, he says, I am the light of the world. If you need a way of escape, he says, I am the door. If you are lost this morning and you are lost sheep, he says, I am the good shepherd. If you find yourself in a dead situation, he says, I am the resurrection and the light. If you find yourself detached this morning, he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you find yourself without a way out, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the light. Great city, it's easy to get into something, <laughs> but it's hard to get your way out of something. But Jesus says to you and me this morning, I am the way out. I told you 6,000 years in one decision in the Garden of Eden that a man found his way in trouble. But the Son of Man made a way out of no way in one decision in the Garden of Gethsemane when he said, Father, if it's your will, take this cup from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And one decision, we got out of trouble. But in God's decision, we got, we got in trouble. But in God's decision, we got out of trouble. Palm Sunday, Jesus declares himself as the way out. One that can move you from darkness to light. He enters Jerusalem as a sign to those who believe that if you lost in sin, pain, suffering, in oppression, he says, I am the way out. Those who recognize him began to celebrate him on Palm Sunday. Uh, we find him on Thursday, Jesus having his last meal with his disciples. He knows he's to lead his people out of sin and darkness, and he gets arrested, and he's making his way out. Judas betrayed him. Peter denied him. 
and the crowd crucified him. We find Jesus on his way in trouble, not because he's done something wrong, but because he's the only way out. Jesus makes his way out the Last Supper and makes it through the trial. It is at the trial Jesus is convicted. The convicted is found innocent, and now the innocent is convicted. Jesus is arrested, and he makes his way out to the cross. It is at the cross where we find Jesus saying these words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, because he is our way out. It is at the cross we find him saying, today I will be with you in paradise because he's making his way out. Woman, behold your son and behold your disciple. He says, this is the way out. He says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because he's making a way out. He said in his human condition, I thirst because he's making a way out. He said in his sixth word that it is finished because he is making a way out. He died on that cross and says, into your hands I commit my spirit because he's making a way out. On Friday, he goes to the cross because he is making a way out. Saturday, Jesus is in the grave with the guard watching the tomb, making sure that no one gets out. But now we find ourselves on Sunday. Mary Magdalene comes to the grave early in the morning, and she's on her way to the grave to prepare the body for death. But on her way there, she's unprepared to find an empty tomb. She goes and tells Jesus' disciples that body has been made a way out. This is the question for Mary and the question for you and me is how did this body make it out? Great City, this empty tomb can only be one of two things. It is either a sad surprise or it is a glad surprise. Let me say that to you this morning. This, this empty tomb is either a sad surprise or a glad surprise. Mary, according to most theologians, viewed the moment as a sad surprise. She runs to the disciples and says, they have taken my Lord, and I don't know what they've done to him. It is a sad surprise. But the great theologian uh, Howard Thurman says, there is a glad surprise. And he says, the glad surprise is when one is at the end of a long tunnel of tragedy and tribulation and finally finds some way to move from darkness to light. He says, that is the glad surprise. So the question this morning, is this empty tomb a sad surprise or is this empty tomb a glad surprise? But I hear the question, Grace Cindy, even if it's a glad surprise, how do you know that Jesus is our way out? You know that Jesus is your way out because Christ removed the barrier. Come on, somebody say Christ removed the barrier. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw the stone had been removed from the entrance. She gets to the grave and the text says that the stone of the barrier kept Jesus in the grave is removed. The thing that denied access to Christ's body has been removed. The stone, the heavy weight, the block, the separation between you and your Savior has been removed. You know that thing, that barrier between God and his people has been removed. 
When we sinned in the garden, that barrier between the divinity and the humanity has been removed. I come to tell you that the barrier has been removed. When Jesus died on that cross and committed his spirit, Matthew describes it this way. He says, when Jesus did that, the moment the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, the tombs broke open, the bodies of many holy people had died, were raised to life. The barrier was removed, and now we have access to the Father. He is our mediator right now. Mary arrives in the access to the grave, but the barrier was removed. And I come to tell you this morning that your barrier has been removed. The barrier of sin has been removed. The barrier of guilt and shame has been removed. The barrier of gender, age, and race has been removed. This woman has access to the grave, but more importantly, she has access to a resurrected Jesus. Amen. Listen, listen, Mary came to Jesus when it was dark. But when she arrived, the barrier was removed. And listen, I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but I promise if you move towards Jesus, you will discover, even in your dark time, you will discover that the barrier that keeps you out of relationship with Jesus is removed. All you have to do is move. She leaves the tomb and tells the other disciples, Peter, the barrier is removed. The disciples who were afraid, hiding, hiding from the grave because the barrier is removed. Peter, the one that denied him three times, they found out that the barrier was removed. And it's good news, church. I want to remind you over and over and over and over and over and over and over again that the barrier has been removed. Paul put it this way, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principality, nor things present, nor things to come. Nothing in all creation can separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Why? Because the barrier has been removed. We know, we know Christ is the way out because the barrier has been removed. But the second thing I see is bandages have been removed. <laughs> ah. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb and both were running. But the other disciples outran Peter, reached the tomb first, bent over, looked at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. When he gets there, Peter, uh, when we get there, the news of the barrier removed, Peter and John running together. Can you see them both running together? They exhausted. John outruns Peter. He gets there and he stops outside. But you know, anxious Peter, he goes and runs. He gets there second, and he goes straight to the grave. When Peter goes straight to the grave, he discovers, watch this, y'all, that the bandages are on the ground. Bandages and dressings are both used for wound management. A bandage is a piece of cloth or other material used to bind or wrap disease or injured parts of the body. The purpose is to serve by dressing includes protecting wounds, promoting healing, and providing and retaining a removing moisture. Bandages can also be used for holding and dressing place to relieve pain and generally to make patients comfortable. Bandages were also used at this time to wrap the dead body. When Peter enters the tomb, he found the bandages 
on the ground. The body is removed, but the bandages are still in the grave. I said the body is removed, but the bandages are in the grave. This is interesting because if this is a resurrection, this is not the first time Jesus has had a resurrection. Jesus had a friend named Lazarus that he told him to, be, to get up out of the grave. This man, he went to his grave, watch this. He told him to move the stone, remove the barrier. He went to the grave and he said these words. He says, take, he says, get up, Lazarus. And Lazarus gets up. But here's the thing in the text that's interesting. Watch this. When Lazarus gets up, now watch this. This dead man came out. His hands and feet were wrapped, stripped with linen and cloths around his face. Jesus said to him, take off the grave clothes and let him go. When this resurrection happened, he still had the bandages on him. But when Peter goes into the grave, the bandages are on the ground. Mm. 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 Something's going on in the text. When Lazarus got up out of the grave, the bandages and the wound, the, the bandage of woundedness and death came out of the grave with him. But in this story, the bandages and the woundedness of death is still in the grave. Jesus removes the bandages. I come to tell you this morning that here is no, there is no need to live a life covering your wounds and deadness in the areas of your life. Because when Jesus' body rose, he left the woundedness and the deadness and the grave so that you may have a new life. Somebody say that's good news. Let me prove it to you. Isaiah prophesied it this way. He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of his peace was upon him. And by his stripes, you are what? <laughs> that's it. That's it. You got it. The bandages <laughs> are in the grave. We know Christ is the way out because the barriers are removed. We know Christ removed the bandages. Christ moved the barriers. But the last thing I see here is that Christ's body is removed. Finally, on the other side, who had reached the tomb first, also went aside. He saw and believed. John gets to the grave first to see the barriers removed. Stopped at the entrance, and Peter the second. But goes into grave later, and finally goes into this grave. And I believe uh, John sees the body removed. A removed body, Grace City, brings us to either a sad surprise or Howard Thurman's statement of a glad surprise. If this body is a sad surprise, that literally means that somebody went into the grave, watch this, unwrapped Jesus' body and took it out and carried out a dead body. That would be a sad surprise. 
But if this is a glad surprise, this literally means that those who are in tribulation and darkness, that the moment is now where you're coming to the light and things are about to change. So the question for us, is this the sad surprise or is this the glad surprise? John walks into the grave and says, I believe. He believes that Jesus had suffered, Jesus died, and Jesus had rose from the dead. John says, I believe Jesus is the way out. But here's the question for us this morning. Do you believe he's the way out? If you're sick this morning, he is the way out. I need a, if you need a savior this morning, he's the way out. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He is the way out. Paul says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Grace City, Jesus is the way out. If your sins and brokenness, Paul says, there's no temptation has overtaken you except what com common to plan. God is the faithful. He will not let you tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure. There is a way out. But the question, do you believe that Jesus is the way out? Do you believe that he came from heaven to earth to show the way? From the earth to the cross, my debts he paid. From the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky. Is that the reason why we lift his name on high? Do you believe that he's the way out? So the question becomes, where did his body go? Where did he go? Where, where, where did Jesus go? Verse 17 says, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead, my brothers, and tell them. I am ascending to the Father, your Father, my God and God. Grace City, this wasn't the first time that he gave the, 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 the statement where he was going. Some of y'all may be sitting here and say, where did Jesus go? If it's, if, it's not a, 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 if it's not a bad surprise and this is a glad surprise, where is Jesus? Well, he tells us before the resurrection. And I'm going to wash this with these words. He said, do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If there were not so, I would not have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you, a way out. If I go to prepare that place, I will come back and take you with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way, the place where I'm going. Thomas said, Lord, I don't know where you're going, so how can we know? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Jesus says to you and to me, he is the way out. Our barriers have been removed. Our bandages are removed. His body is removed. Christ is our way out. Amen.